eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. Ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. Boys are back. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Reception the Show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Go, Matt Harmon here with you. You're listening to Reception Perception the Show. All right. Uh, as we sit here, uh, people are going to be listening to this, getting ready for Thursday night football and what should be an absolute uh, destruction. On Thursday Night Football from uh, what we have seen from these two teams recently, but it's all good. Uh, Kansas City taking on the che- or Kansas City taking on the Kansas City taking off the Denver Broncos. Um, okay, but as we get ready here for Thursday Night Football, let's get the people ready for week number six here. Um, and I want to start the show by, um, look, Justin Jefferson goes on IR. We, we talked about this in our previous episode, Matt, uh, that you cannot replace uh, this man. And then, of course, uh, there's speculation as to whether Justin Jefferson's ever going to play for the Vikings again. And then all of a sudden, Kirk Cousins could potentially get traded as well. <laughs> a lot of things happening. But in the very near immediate future, who is speculating now- that Justin Jefferson's never going to play with the Vi- for the Vikings again? Well, he's got a contract coming up. Maybe he doesn't get extended, and you know, obviously they could um, franchise tag the guy. But uh, but you know, may- maybe they move on. Maybe they try to get assets. I don't know. They would be uh, high on crack uh, to do <laughs> such a thing. But um, you know, that's just one man's opinion. Yes. Well, I, yeah, I totally agree with you. But uh, but yeah, you don't you don't. I, who knows? Maybe Justin Jefferson says, "I don't want to play here." What are you going to do? You know, I don't know. Anyways, whatever. Uh, in the near immediate future here, in the near term, uh, people want to know about Jordan Addison. Uh, again, this is a, a man that has not been on the field as much as we anticipated. We talked about this in our last show. But mm-hmm. from a charting perspective, Matt, what are you seeing early season here from the rookie? So here's the deal with Jordan Addison. Posted a four-game sample uh, on the website. Four game samples, I give you the full route charts, uh, the actual, you know, the colors and the arrows and all that stuff. So if you're into that, you can check that out on the site. 
Um, I think the biggest issue for Addison, you know, he's been mostly an outside receiver, like we talked about uh, on the last episode, 78.2% of his snaps sampled in weeks one, two, three, and five have been on the outside. The issue with that is that he has really struggled with press coverage. Um, and this was an issue in college, too. We, we talked about it a ton when we previewing him as a prospect that his biggest issue was dealing with physical coverage on the outside, especially when running vertical routes, like trying to get off press and stack and win on go routes, his biggest problem, especially at USC. So far in the NFL, 27.5% of his routes, he has faced press coverage, which is a high rate. It's actually pretty close to what Jefferson faced in 2022. Um, From a schematic consistency standpoint, that makes sense, right? Because you want to get up and get physical with Justin Jefferson, even if he's going to beat you in press coverage, which he is. I think he was he was number one in 2022 in success rate versus press. It at least disrupts the timing of his routes with Kirk Cousins' dropbacks and allows you to get in a little extra layer of pressure on Kirk, who was um, the most hit quarterback in the NFL last season. Right. So from a schematic consistency standpoint, it makes sense that teams are also pressing Jordan Addison. And it also makes sense because he's struggled with this. His success rate in press against press in the four games I charted, 48.7%. That would have been second lowest among all players sampled in 2022, ahead mm. of only the great DJ Chark. The great oh no. DJ Chark. Oh yeah, no. so that has been an issue with Addison so far. Um, I think it will – again, this was something I had a – question about with him coming into the NFL so I'm not surprised um I saw Steve Smith talk about this that sometimes you see and and this even before I saw Steve mention it this was something I was talking about with Addison that he's still trying to use the same release moves that you know he was even inconsistent winning on college he needs to vary up the package he needs to add more moves to that arsenal because he's too predictable and the fact that he is um I would say you know, he's not an A tier athlete. He's a smaller mm-hmm. guy. He needs to win on craft and technique. That's going to have to get better throughout the course of his NFL career. I think it can get better. I think when he gets off man coverage, when he gets zone coverage, we see a much better overall product from Jordan Addison. I also think he's running a lot of vertical routes right now because he is not the number one read in the progression. Usually his job from a route concept standpoint, is going to be opening things up for the number one receiver, uh, which is obviously number 18. That's going to have to change with Jefferson now out of the mix. So we might see him on routes where he's better, uh, like slant routes and flat routes, um, You know, some of those deep in-breaking routes, which he was really good on in college, and he's been really, really good on those in the NFL. 78.6% success rate on post routes, 80% success rate on slant routes. We'll see more of that now that he's likely to step into that number one read or at least two, uh, you know, behind maybe TJ Hawkinson in the yeah. progression at this point. So um, I would say the start for Jordan Addison as an individual player has been mixed. I don't see a lot of signs that he is ready to take on like the number one wide receiver role. Now, against certain defenses like the Bears this weekend, right? The Bears don't play a right. lot of physical press coverage. He could probably rip up the Bears. I think bad defenses, like, I mean, Go watch his Chargers film. Bad defense, not a great scheme. He tore up the Chargers with a lot of crucial routes. I think he'll do that against bad defenses. But when the Vikings have to go against top-tier corners that are going to play physical, I think that's the biggest question right now with Jordan Addison. 
All right. So when you take a look at Jordan Addison's um, charts uh, from a graphic perspective, right, it's it's either green or red, which is so interesting. Right. Um, but I think in uh, the the two, I, I guess the three routes that, that I would look at here. Right. Um, two inbreaking routes in particular, the curl and the dig um, and the curl. I know it's just a four game sample, um, but, you know, I, I think that's a, a large enough sample to to take away some. Yeah, you know, glean some data off of it, right? The forty percent success rate on the curl mat, um, that would have been, I mean, by far the, the worst that we saw in twenty twenty two, right? Uh, the the lowest success rate that uh, that uh, you charted here in twenty twenty two belongs to Paris Campbell at fifty one point six percent success rate again on the curl. You've got Jordan Addison through four games at a forty percent uh, success rate. Now, to be fair to Addison. It only constitutes 3.5% of his total route tree, but still not that encouraging. And then the other one that I really look at, and I love this route, by the way, the dig route to me is like such a, oh man, you got to win on the dig route. Um, A 61% success rate on the dig route. Again, last year, that would have been, um, I, I think bottom, you know, bottom five or six. So uh, well, no, bottom 10, excuse me. So bottom 10, right? So like, that's again, not ideal. Uh, not ideal. Yeah. The, the dig route one is more concerning, I think, than the, the curl route one, because you mentioned it's only 3.5% of his routes. So it's, it's, he's lost three of five uh, is the total number there. You know, it's, it's not ideal, but it's, it's not as big of an issue. The dig route is a big problem though, especially if he's going to have to run out as, I don't know. You know, they're talking in the media that KJ Osborne's going to play the X receiver spot that uh, that Justin Jefferson is obviously vacating. That's weird. We'll see, bro. Because like, I think Jordan Addison can't play X. You know, um, at the same like if he, but if he is, he's going to have to be the backside guy, the ISO player, and you're going to have to win against press man on dig routes, and that has been a huge issue so far for Jordan Addison. Um, I think he's better as the front side, uh, probably off the line player, uh, who's going to be, you know, in stack formation in bunches, you know, he's going to be closer to that other, you know, slot receiver on the line. I think that helps him a lot, right. To give him those free releases again, when you can get this guy a free release, he's really good. Um, and again, he's going to tear up off man coverage and he's got a great set of like head fakes and and deceptive moves to to take a corner going back when he's going to snap off on the inside or when he's going to work back on an out route. It's just when you get up in tight coverage with him, it's going to be a problem. So I'm really interested to see what the, um, how the Vikings end up working this receiver room without Justin Jefferson. They're probably going to play a lot of two tight end sets, you know, because they have Hawkinson, they have Josh Oliver who they paid all that money to. And then it's Jordan Addison and KJ Osborne. I think KJ Osborne's a fine player, um, but he's like ideally your third or fourth receiver. And and they have Brandon Powell, who's um, I mean, we just haven't seen a lot of him. You know, they don't have a maybe this Naylor guy that they have. Jalen Naylor, I believe, is his name. He's coming up. Could be coming off injury at some point here soon. So they need somebody to step <laughs> up though, because it's a it's a pretty rough room, man. I mean, I think Bro, people are no one. Dude, There's I think people there. are giving it's it's weird because <laughs> Justin Jefferson is probably one of the um non-quarterbacks like the second 
third best non-quarterback in the NFL right now, depending uh-huh. on which defensive disruptors you'd like to put up there. And it's almost like people are like, ah, yeah, big boost for Jordan Addison. It's like this offense is going to stink, man. Damn, I think it's, it's going to be so bad. <laughs> I think it's going to be, be so really bad. bad, man, because, I mean, Kirk <laughs> but, is already like he's his passing numbers are really nice because they're throwing the piss out of ball and like in the piss yeah. out of the ball in the negative right. game scripts. But, right, right. you know, he's getting hit a lot. He's taking a lot of sacks. It's not a really good offensive line. You know, TJ Hawkinson is like a compiler on short routes. Um, there's just no real verticality to this offense it's like oh man if you press up on jordan addison and kj osborne and you find a way to close the middle of the field for hawkinson they all oh by the way they don't run the ball well either no (laughs) no it looks rough on paper i don't know who they're gonna have even if they want to go three wide receiver set like who who would you even run out here i mean literally it's kj osborne jordan addison the next guy up would be somebody named by the name of brandon powell this guy's this guy's played twenty seven offensive snaps total this year, bro. I mean, they've got Nikhil. Does Nikhil Harris still on this team? Yeah, they they activated him um, off the practice squad, I believe, after they put Justin Jefferson oh. on IR. And Powell is like one hundred eighty one pounds, five eight. He's more of like a gadgety guy uh, than Not he is. And he played for the Rams. I'm kind of surprised. You know, the the Rams traded. Van Jefferson, I guess they just like maybe we don't we're we're not at a point where we're buying assets at this point. But they they did the Vikings traded for Cam Akers. There's a lot of familiarity there. Kevin O'Connell, West Phillips, all those guys came from LA. I'm surprised they didn't get in on the Van Jefferson thing with the Falcons traded for him because they could certainly use yeah they they could use a guy like that. But I think at this point they're like our season might be in trouble here. So I think Jalen Naylor, like I said, he's somebody who flashed in very 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 brief moments. You know. for the Vikings last year, he's at least six foot, 190 pounds. Maybe he's somebody that, that is worth keeping your eye on as like a deep, deep sleeper. But yeah, other than that, it's, it's Nikhil Harry. It's, it's Brandon Powell. It's just not a, not a very good um, receiver room without Justin Jefferson. I mean, it's horrific. Uh, Not just not good. It's just, it's, it's my, it might be the worst in the NFL. Well, I I don't know. I don't, they can't be more, they can't be worse than the Panthers. How dare you disrespect the name of Adam Thielen, uh, who we're going to get to a little later on in this program as well. Uh, no, but, no, 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 I take it back. They're not, they're not worse than the Patriots. The Patriots are the worst, <laughs> easily the worst receiver room in the NFL right now. The Patriots would kill to have Adam Thielen. First of all, yeah, yeah, that's a good, that, first of all, that is true. That's 100% true. Okay. But again, as the, as the unofficial weird show for Devontae Parker, again, I, I demand that you take that back. No. No, 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 no. We 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 you talk about Devontae Parker too much on the show, but it's yeah, not do. like Devontae Parker underrated. It's like let's use him as a comparison for other players to not talk about Devontae Parker. Like we yeah. So. Right, exactly. Correct, correct. Um all right. Uh you also added a an in-season charting profile for Josh Downs, the slot receiver there for Indianapolis. Um charting that today, what are the early findings showing us here for the rookie out of North Carolina? Carolina. Dude, this guy is so good. Um, oh man, okay. I'm so happy about Josh Downs's progress so far. Now, to be clear, he's you know running some underneath routes, right? He's mostly running slants and and screens mm-hmm. and flats, typical slot receiver stuff. But man, when you see him go up against outside corners, like he can run the deep post. He can get um the inside uh shade, he can get inside leverage when he's working on a nine route. Um 
I'm really excited about Josh Downs. You know, that he's gotten a ton of targets from Gardner Minch. He's got a ton of targets from Anthony Richardson. Um, you even saw him one win one big downfield corner route um, where he had to leave his feet between two defenders. That's such Josh Downs stuff, you know, winning outside of his frame despite the smaller frame. Um, right. I, I think he is – dude, this receiver room in, in Indianapolis, I, Alec Pierce is fine. He's somewhere on that Devontae Parker axis, by the way. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he is a distant third. You know, Michael Pittman I think is a legit one. Mm-hmm. And then I think Josh Downs, he's not one of these like Wandale Robinson types that like, oh, you need five for 48 to get you through on a bye week in a PPR league. Like that's the Wandale Robinson um, axis of players. Okay. I think Josh Downs is closer to like a Tyler Lockett type. I'm really Ooh. excited by what I've seen so Whoa. far in the NFL with Josh Downs. Um, I think he's going to be a player for the Colts. I think they've got two dudes they can just funnel funnel footballs to and it, it is not he's not gonna have the same verticality to his game as like a Tyler Lockett with Gardner Minshew out there just because how Minshew plays as opposed to Anthony Richardson right. who's obviously gonna miss um at least four weeks probably more than that but I think what Josh Downs has shown as an individual player is really really good so far um first of all if you guys know Matt there's no chance in hell he is just lightly using the name Tyler Lockett when comping <laughs> a player brother Okay, when I hear you throw out Tyler Lockett, my eyebrow got raised, boy. I'm like, wait, hold up now. Hold up, hold up. Uh, You need to expand on that, bro, because like you can't again, you just can't just throw that out there casually. Knowing you, you can't throw out the name Tyler Lockett casually. Like, give me give me some more comparisons here, man. Like what? Where are you seeing this Tyler Lockett comparison? Well, I think when you look at his. Post routes, over 11% of his routes were post routes. Uh, He's close on like a 70% success rate on those in the two games that I've looked at so far. Um, Especially, look, and I know the Titans are not a good pass defense, but I only charted him losing one route in man coverage uh, against the Titans. Like, again, it's a bad defense. I get it. But he is always open. He's always consistently in the right spot. And then the juice to win downfield, like I said, nine route success rate is over 60% for Josh wow. Downs. Um, the corner route that I mentioned where he went up and and, and got it. I think he's so how is he? First of all, how is he doing that? You know, it's not like this guy's a phenomenal athlete. So talk to me about yeah, how is he runner. winning? Great route runner. Such a good, good route runner, man. I, I think he was the probably the best route runner in, in last year's class. Uh, obviously, okay. JSN was up there at the time. Zay Flowers is up there. Right. Uh, but, you know, it's like we're talking about Jordan Addison and his struggles against press coverage, despite being a smaller guy. You just don't see that with Josh Downs, man, because I think he's got a more diverse set of moves. I think he understands leverage a little bit better, especially off yeah. the line of scrimmage. Now, he's primarily going to run always out of the slot, even in the games that I'm, sure. I'm looking at. He's not exclusively a slot player, but he's primarily a slot player. Um, and when he's even outside, you're still going to see him again, a lot stacked or bunched with other receivers to get in that free release. Mm -hmm. Uh, he runs a really good, I should mention this with Jordan Addison too. He also runs a really good, like whip route or return route, whatever you want to call it. Downs is obviously really good at that too, working it vertically and hooking it back inside. Uh, just, yeah, I, I think the, the, the savviness and the craftiness as a route runner has really translated. Yeah, the the leverage stuff is um is always really impressive, and, and that really just speaks to somebody's intelligence and also a little bit of scouting too. You know, you got to understand where where the DBs are going to go or where their tendencies are. 
uh, to shade and stuff like that. So I think clearly, um, you know, the guy's doing a lot of the homework uh, before he gets to game days, which is which is great to see. Um, as well, if this is what we're saying here, right? Like, you know, uh, again, this is, you talk about inside outside, he's played about 25% of his snaps as an outside wide receiver, 75% uh, lined up as an inside wide receiver, a, a couple of backfield things too, but, uh, but not, not too yeah. much. Right. So, um, but yeah, no, th- th- that's impressive stuff. I, I mean, I've been impressed by watching Josh Downs. I mean, he just seemingly is always open. Um, yeah. so, and, and you talk about earning the targets. Well, I, I mean, the guys earning the targets seem again, he's seemingly open, uh, every single time when, when we're watching him on the, on that football field. Uh, but again, I'm just shook because man, you just throw out Tyler Lockett. I'm like, well, hold up now. Like, let, let's get some clarification on that, which is great to see. So I love it. Um, all right. Um, by the way, this is, to, this is, this means absolutely nothing. When I went, when I watched Gardner Minshew, I I want to know for the podcast listeners out there, I can't be the only person I see Gardner Minshew and I'm like, yo, this guy reminds me of freaking Rick Moranis from Spaceballs, um, the 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 Darth Vader character, the dark helmet dude dark on helmet, on yeah. Spaceballs. What is up with this guy's helmet? It's so big on his head. I I I don't know. Am I? I can't be the only one that thinks this. I'm like, this helmet looks so large on Gardner Minshew and it's it's doubly strange because I don't remember him looking like that um when he was a backup in Jacksonville like what am I I don't know what I'm missing anyways if Mm. if, if I'm looking at it now and and you are kind of right he does look very dark helmet ish um in this one in the in this Colts uh helmet it's this I don't know what it is he looks like, I mean, Kyler always looked like that too, but Kyler was a smaller player. And Gardner's not the biggest dude in, in no, the entire yeah. world either. Um, but yeah, Kyler always was the one that that stood out to me with like <laughs> that. Jo- I mean, he's, a, he's small. He's smaller than, he's small. than Gardner. He's at least 6'1", right. allegedly. But um, yeah, I always thought that was funny. Yeah, I don't know. I want to I want to know from our podcast listeners, man. It's like, am I seeing things out here? I don't know why. The guy looks like Rick Moranis from Spaceballs, man. What's going on? Anyways, all right, whatever. We'll move on. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about Gabe Davis here um, for the Buffalo Bills because <clears throat> this is the kind of production 
that the Gabe Davis truthers uh, were, uh, we were told was going to have last year, but now he's having it this year where again, he, I know he's putting on a little bit of the Christian Watson thing where all he does mm. is catch touchdowns. Um, you know, it doesn't see a, a, a ton of targets, but when he does, they're deep downfield and he's turning them into scores. Right. Um, but is there something from, you know, visually eyeball test, Matt, that you see, okay, you know what? I am seeing a little bit, something, something extra from Gabe Davis this year, or, is it just, you know, again, we're just kind of drawn to it because he's scoring touchdowns? Well, I think the biggest difference between Gabe Davis, you know, actually, before we talk about this year, here's the deal with Gabe Davis, man. And, you know, I remember when we did the episode on the guys I had ranked ahead of consensus and, and you were yeah. stunned to see that uh, I had Gabe Davis ranked ahead of consensus yes. when he was going as like a fringe top 40 receiver. Because he's not as bad as people thought he was last year. He just isn't as good as people thought he was going to be going into 2022 um, after that four-touchdown eruption spot. you know, Right, right, right. I really think if Gabe Davis never scored four touchdowns in a playoff game when a bunch of Chiefs defenders blew coverages and fell over, like we probably would have a much more (laughs) rational view of Gabe Davis. Okay. Um, Because I had other people say he was like, you know, just just an MVS clone or whatever. I'm like, I mean, he's not an MVS. Yes, clone. Jeez, God Almighty! Like uh, he's not that bad. MVS um, might literally be the worst starting receiver in the NFL. Um, you know, he probably should be a three, and he's like the Chiefs guy who runs the most. Routes yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. Um, anyways, with Gabe, you know, he just wasn't as bad as people kind of had that sour taste in their mouth coming off of last year. Like he has legitimate strengths. He runs really good deep routes, like post routes, nine routes, corner routes, out routes. He's got mostly build-up speed. It's not like he's the most technically refined receiver in the entire world. He's pretty stiff overall, Mm -hmm. but he's got, again, good build-up speed. And he knows how at the top of that route to sell the post and go to the corner. Sell the corner, go to the post. Keep it going nine route, snap off into one of those out routes. Like He knows how to do that stuff. He's not a stone zero as a technical player, the difference though, between this year and last year, okay. I think is that he's just winning contested better. Like he's mm. winning in tight coverage better. That has been a big difference because if you looked at Gabe Davis last year, he had issues in contested situations. He had issues with his hands. Um, you know, that stuff can be fluky, right? Uh, that, that can be sort of noisy year to year this year so far. He's been really good on those contested situations. Um, he's had a couple of drops, but nothing outrageous like it was last year when he had real issues with that stuff. Look, contested catches and 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 drops, while you know can be an overall indicator of skill, they can also just be random. I think that's been the case with Gabe Davis the last year. So who's to say he doesn't go on a dry spell with this stuff? That's certainly possible. But sure. so far, what we're seeing now is he's been better in those tight coverage along the boundary situations where that was a bit of a struggle last year. I think the, the area that gave me a little bit of concern for Gabe Davis was that according to his 2022 numbers, Matt, um, on the post corner nine. So, you know, your three deeper routes, right? Um, he was outside the top 20 in success rate for all three of those routes. Um, and, and when that is your specialty to be known as this deep ball threat, generally not ideal uh, to to not really have like a specialty route somewhere built in there, right? So like, it's not like he was top 10 in the nine and couldn't run a corner, but it's just the guy was average when it came to running the post corner in nine. And then when you look at his overall success rate versus zone and overall success rate versus man coverage, 
again, you know, outside the top 40 in both of those um, categories. I, I don't know. To me, it just that to me screams average X receiver in the NFL. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know. Yeah. I just didn't um, I, I didn't really get anything from that. You know what I mean? Well, I still think probably he is an average perimeter receiver in the NFL. Um, I still think that the Bills could do a little bit better with their number two receiver across from Stefan Diggs, but he is he's also healthier this year, right? He had the ankle injury earlier last True. year. Which probably took some juice away from him in the vertical routes. Now, I don't think it was any excuse as to why he couldn't separate um, short and intermediate because he can never really separate short to intermediate, and that's why I think he's never going to be – like a clear cut, set it and forget it. Put your put your watch by it, like number two receiver. But I think he is probably yeah average starting perimeter receiver in the NFL, and you know that's good enough for the Bills when you have an elite guy um, in in Stephon Diggs across from him and some other threats they've added along the way this year. Right. Um, okay. Uh, very quickly, and we don't need to you know go crazy into it, man. But um, New Hopkins, bro. I I mean, come on. This is uh, that was that was such a great performance, man. It was so yeah. great to see him come out and just do his thing. Uh, and he looked like New Hopkins, you know, winning contested. Uh, you know, you talk about the range and his catch radius, man. It was all right there. Um, just I wanted to get your takeaways from his uh, week five performance, which I thought, you know, obviously was the best of the season. And I thought he looked fantastic. Yeah, number one, we're gonna probably want to just attack the Colts cornerbacks with like prop bets, and and I mean that's what all, we did on the all day long. Yeah, I'm gonna say, hey, hey, shout out to me. Okay, <laughs> on the sick on the sicko stream, yeah. I gave out eight props last yeah. week. Eight, no, baby, literally. Oh! So if you're if you're listening to this and you're not a sicko wow. member, or you or God forbid you are a sicko member and you're not watching the live stream on 4 p.m. Eastern, right, uh, or Fridays. rewatching it later on Fridays, yeah, should say the date. That's good stuff. Um, oh and eight when trying to give out dates correctly. Uh, but yeah, no, no, I think that. You should be watching it, man, because uh, we're having some fun with the props. Uh, eight we no are, last yeah. week. Uh, DeAndre For Hopkins sure. over four and a half catches was one of them at I believe plus might have been plus odds or it was very close. Oh, yeah, plus money on four and a half. That was amazing. All right. Anyways, depends on where you look. Yeah. But, but okay. regardless, over four and a half catches was such a smash against the Colts perimeter cornerbacks because they yeah. they have issues and now they have injuries on top of the guys that they wanted to have out there. Right. So right, right, right. that's part of it. But also, yeah, like you mentioned, vintage New Hopkins game looked incredible on like those sideline passes, winning contested. Yep. He just he's not really lost much as a player uh, from the last couple of years in Arizona. Now, I've talked about this a lot in the offseason, like he had clearly taken a step back um, from his elite days, like the first year in Arizona and the last couple of years in Houston in terms of winning against man coverage. But he was still above 70 percent the last two years in Arizona still very viable like as an NFL um, separator and you know he still has those great hands and tight coverage uh, I think he you know it was weird right James I remember when he signed with the Titans people were like why are they signing with the Titans why, mm -hmm. why are the Titans signing new Hopkins it's like well um hello have you seen the <laughs> receiver room <laughs> you can't count on Traylon Burks to be that guy and then it's like there's just a ton of other kind of randoms beyond there so been a great signing for them so far yeah, uh, we talk about a slightly declining player here in regards to his success rates versus man and zone coverage. In 2020, uh, Nuke Hopkins posted a 76.5% success rate versus man. Uh, and then we saw that drop in 2022 uh, down to 72%, 72.2%. And then on the zone coverage, we saw, a, 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 I don't want to say a, a big drop, but 
you know, noticeable drop in success rate versus zone coverage. 83.7% success rate versus zone in 2020. Fast forward to 2022, and it's dropped from 83% down to 78.5%. So, um, yeah, I don't know what it's going to look like here in 2023, but I tell you what, your chart is a uh, Colts game, man. It's going to look pretty good because, uh, boy, uh, he absolutely balled out. Uh, and it was great to see Nuke is my, one of my all time favorite players. Uh, he yeah. really is. I mean, he checks all the boxes for me, right? Cause like, I love contested catch guys. I love X receivers that can win downfield. This is that, that's what he does. Uh, he, I just love all, I, I love everything about his game. I love that. The fact that he's just like a samurai out there too. You know, he's never that demonstrative, right? But he'll let you know, yeah. <laughs> he'll let you know you want to mess with the goat. Okay. Let's go after it. Right. Like he'll let you know when he catches a ball on you. Right. But he doesn't get too, too crazy. Um, yeah, it's just, like I said, man, like his celebrations are just cold too. Like, I just love it. I love everything about, uh, new Hopkins, one of my all time favorite players. Uh, anyway, so it's great to see him have a, a great, huge performance against the Colts. All right. Um, I want to switch to Philadelphia here and talk about Devonte Smith. I feel like we had this exact opposite conversation after week two, uh, for AJ Brown. Right. But are you surprised that Devonte Smith, I guess, it's, I think it's a slight over-exaggeration to say he's not getting more work because he still is, you know, when you talk about target share and all those things, he's still seeing the ball. It's not like he's they're not throwing it to him. Um, but I wonder here, is Devontae Smith compared to A.J. Brown, is it a similar situation to what we have in Miami where Jalen Watt is a great player, good player, but you just can't compare Jalen Waddle to Tyreek Hill. Is that a fair comparison to what we got in Philadelphia when we compared Devontae Smith to A.J. Brown? Or is it just, again, the the the, the shifting of the tides and, you know, hey, Devontae Smith is going to outperform A.J. Brown every now and again. Where are we in regards to, um, you know, the, the, the talent dynamic between Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown? Okay, so... When we look at these two duos, and I'm glad you brought this up specifically because I said this a lot in the offseason, that there was kind of a narrative that, you know, um, there was a group of 1B receivers, you know, uh, like Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddell, and T. Higgins. Uh, obviously, they have counterparts in A.J. Brown, uh, in, in Tyree Kill, and Jamar mm-hmm. Chase. Now, I think that those guys are all really number two receivers. Like I think T Higgins is a two. I think Jalen Waddle's a two. Devonta Smith though is the one that I rank highest of those three guys. Like I mm-hmm. think there is the, the gap is smallest between Devonta Smith and AJ Brown, but there is still a gap. And this is something that I pushed back on in the off season. Like, Oh, there, could Devonta Smith be better than AJ Brown? I'm like, no, like maybe someday, <laughs> but Probably not because I think AJ Brown is like the fifth best receiver in football. Like I think he is a legit elite guy. Uh, He's either five or six, depending. I think if you go back and listen to our top five or top 10 receiver episode, I think I had him at either six or five. Um, Regardless, he's a stud. He's an elite player. Uh, And I think Devonta Smith can get there someday, but there would have to be some sort of drop off from AJ Brown. And, and like, we, that's not happening. He's in the prime of his career. Yeah. Uh, so I say all that to say that, yeah, to me, there is still a gap between Devonta Smith and AJ Brown. It's no slight to Devonta Smith, who is a great player. And I think is mm-hmm. probably like a top 15 receiver in the NFL. 
Um, like I think he could be a true one. I don't know that Jalen Waddle or T Higgins would be a true one. I think that Devonta Smith could be a true one for some team. Like I think he's the best of those three, but there's still a gap between being a, a true one, like a top 20, top 15 receiver and being one of the elites in the NFL, which is where AJ Brown is at this point. And there's no reason to, to, to think otherwise. That being said, okay. The, the production gap stuff, you're right. It does so perfectly mirror what we were dealing with when we talked about AJ Brown and the sideline blow up and the, <laughs> you know, all those losers uh-huh. that want to emphasize that first uh-huh. two weeks of the season. Seven catches, 47 yards, and a touchdown for Devonta Smith in week one. Four catches, 131, and a touchdown in week two for Devonta Smith. Meanwhile, A.J. Brown, seven for 79, four for 29. Really nothing worth freaking out when your top receiver catches seven balls for 79 yards, but people did it anyways because they're spoiled in fantasy football and Uh they want to cry about something. Now the now the last now literally the last two weeks they want to cry about something yeah they want to okay. cry about something so now the last three weeks we know AJ Brown has gone off for nine one hundred thirty one nine seventy five two six one twenty seven uh, against the Rams last week just absolutely beasting the guy yeah. is a total total superstar um, he was Brandon Ayuk before Brandon Ayuk was uh, you know the guy that I was like no this is a top ten real life top five real life receiver. You just don't know it in the Titans offense because they don't throw it enough. You know, he's top five in success rate, first man in press every single year. That was A.J. Brown, but everybody knows now how good A.J. Brown is. Right. Meanwhile, you flip it to Devonta Smith, four for 29, seven for 78, and obviously has one catch for six yards against the Rams. Now people are really freaking out. But what's the difference between those two comparisons, really? Obviously, you know, A.J. Brown's just going nuke, but it'll flip back to Devonta Smith at some point. Like, give me a break. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and again, I, you know, that's why we have these conversations because, you know, sometimes, sometimes these are more long-term trends like it is with Waddle versus Tyreek. And maybe other times in this Philadelphia example, maybe that's not the case, man. Um, yeah, I would, I listen. think we with the Eagles right now are just not firing on all cylinders and no. I, you know, you could throw a lot of different reasons out. They're running the ball extremely well, mm-hmm. but their drop back game has been a little hit and miss. Um, you know, I, you, I think last week was Jalen Hurts probably his best game of the season against the Rams. Uh, but, you know, they're breaking in a new coordinator. They're breaking in a new play caller and Brian Johnson there who knows Jalen Hurts for a long time, but, you know, still a new guy, at the office coordinator position. Um, you know, they're, there was a freak out about Dallas Goddard, you know, for a while. And he obviously went off in week, uh, in week five. So right. this stuff come, it, what goes around comes around in these past games and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, altogether, I'm not concerned about it, but there, you know, Jalen hurts. I don't think has played his best ball just yet. I don't think that Brian Johnson's fully integrated himself into the offense, but it'll happen at some point. I, I do find this surprising, though, that in 2022, he uh, Jalen Hurts, we're talking about here, had 11 carries um, per game, right? Rushing attempts per game, 11 uh, rushing attempts per game in 2022. In 2023, 11 rushing attempts per game. And I, the reason I found that surprising, though, mm-hmm. is because it just seemed like he was so much more dynamic, so much more effective uh, with his rushing game last year as opposed to this year, it, it, it bears itself out in terms of the yards per carry 4.6 yards per carry, uh, in 2022 and 3.7 yards per carry in 2023. A lot of that I think has to do with, you know, the, the, the quarterback sneaks, which they seem to be running like every drive for some reason. 
Um, oh, I, but, honestly, do you think they're kind of trolling with the tush push now at this point? I mean, number one, it's no, so automatic. What? It's just so automatic, dude. I don't think they're trolling. I just think they're like, yeah, who cares? Like, why even think about it? Why get cute? That's what I love. I, th- what I like about Philadelphia, they don't try to get cute with you, man. They, they really yeah. don't. They're like, this is working. We're just going to hammer you. You know, oh, the run game's working. Guess what? You're going to get the run game. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, AJ Brown's beating you up. Yeah, we're just going to keep doing that. We're just going to keep throwing to him. You know, uh, you better adjust because if you don't, we're just going to keep like, that's what I really like about Philadelphia, man. It's like, they don't get cute. You know, there's not, there's not a lot of smoke and mirrors because they just got the dudes. It's like, yeah. not like Kansas city where they got to use smoke and mirrors. They got they have no talent in the, in the wide receiver room. So they got to like mask it with all these personnel changes and movement. All. Philadelphia is like, yo, we just got the dudes. So go ahead, try to beat us, but you can't. <laughs> that's why they're on. That's why, that's why Matt, we're like talking about like, oh, yo, their drop back game is not as you know as explosive as they're undefeated, man. Yeah, they're undefeated. I, that, yeah. You know, it's crazy, right? They're not even playing at we and everyone in the in the NFL knows this. They're not playing at a hundred percent capacity, and they're undefeated. They just have you know bad right. dudes. You know what I'm saying? They just got bad boys littered on that football field. That's why they're winning games. And you know what? They don't mess around. They don't mess around. That's what I love about Philadelphia right now. Not trying to get too cute. Uh, which is good to see. All right, I someday, go for- James. Yeah, someday, just last thing we can move on. Someday, I'm telling you, they're gonna line up in that tush push thing, and they're gonna have like AJ Brown behind Jalen Hurts, and they're gonna like leak him out Flip for it. like a <laughs> yeah. They're gonna like they're gonna leak him out into the flat, and he's gonna get like a 60 yard touchdown on it. Mark my words, it's going totally to agree at some point. Totally agree. And or you know, or even like a little tight end leak, right? Like Dallas Goddard. Faking the faking the thing and then just shooting out on a seam and just hitting them over the top. Forget about it, right? Like, yeah, no, you're right. It, it's it's gonna happen because people are just. I mean, defenses have to be so conditioned to it now, man. But you're right. Uh, probably gonna happen. And and you know what? You know what? No, in Philadelphia, they're probably gonna wait to the playoffs to break. Oh yeah. Down. Yep. You know. Hundred percent. That is such a good call. Fast forward to the Eagles Niners NFC Championship yep, 100%, game. Hundred percent. They're doing it. Listeners, remember this. That is happening. That is happening, happening at some point in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, that that's when they'll pitch that heat. Oh man, I love it. Um, all right, I'm here for that. Hundred percent. Um, yo, what's going on in Baltimore, bro? Seven receiver drops in week oh. five. Oh my god. Okay, I want to start this conversation with Rashad Bateman. It was clear that they wanted to try to get Bateman a little bit more involved, and he caught the first pass of the game and literally, Matt, did not catch another ball the rest of the game, despite how hard they tried to get it to him. And obviously, he had a really bad drop in the end zone that should have been a touchdown, right? So... What is going on with Rashad Bateman, man? Is it just the injuries? Is it confidence? Because I tell you what, when I look at him play, I'm not seeing a confident player. I'm not seeing a confident player at all. Um, and, and I just wonder, is it, again, is it the injuries? Is it in his head? Is it just bad circumstance? Are we just on the wrong side of variance? What is it? What are you seeing? A little bit of everything. So I went back before this show because I knew we were going to talk Ravens. And I mean, it's been an onslaught in the Discord asking about Rashad Bateman. So I went back and charted his uh, game against the Steelers and his game against mm. the Colts uh, before okay. he missed time with a hamstring injury uh, in against the Browns. 
So here's the deal with Rashad Bateman. I mean, number one, he is only running out as a perimeter receiver. 96.1% of his snaps in those two games have been outside. He has been on the line of scrimmage for 94.8%. So pure X ISO receiver on one side of the field. That's it. Like obviously Zay Flowers is their movable chess piece. Uh, you're not going to play Nelson Aguilar at X because nobody's going to take you seriously if you do that. So it's mostly been <laughs> him. And then obviously against the Steelers, okay. Odell Beckham rotating in as as the outside receiver uh, alongside um, Rashad Bateman. And man, I, I mean, Beckham uh, it look, doesn't look good for Beckham. No, you know, I was going to say, is he toast? Because uh, doesn't it's not looking good out there, bro. It does not look good, uh, especially from a juice perspective, which is not surprising because, you know, he's just where he is at this point in his career. He still at some point can run some good routes. I think he's, he's good, still good route runner. Just the explosion is not there, you know, and anytime he's going to have to – like the crazy catches that he, you know, used to make I think are probably a, a thing of the past, right? They throw Agreed. that fade route to him against Jerry Porter Jr. Um, or Joey Porter Jr., sorry, and he yeah. – um, you know, it didn't Porter say apparently told him like to go be a family man or whatever. Not great. You know, <laughs> not great. Dang. Anyways, that's, uh, that's, that's rough, dude. Yeah. Damn. With Bateman specifically. Now I think he's still really good at separating on like slant routes and curl routes. And these two games, 85.7% success rate on uh, slants, 87.5% hmm. success rate uh, on curls. Like those routes are still really good. But the deep stuff is a problem. Like nine routes, he's not getting open on nine routes. Post routes, he's not going to get open. He's not getting open on post routes. Um, you know, then that's really it. Like that's all they're kind of having him run a very condensed route tree at this point and having him run straight down the field to stretch the defense. He's not in position really well when he has to get targeted on those nine routes. Okay. And I think a lot of it too is a lot of inex, you know, um, a lot of lack of practice reps. You know, um, he didn't practice almost at all in the offseason coming back from that uh, foot injury. He got the hamstring injury uh, in season. You know, I think it's going to be a slow ramp up for Rashad Bateman. And by the way, we this is e was easy to see coming because, you know, Nelson Aguilar is playing more than him at this point because Nelson Aguilar practiced with the offense all offseason. Right. Right. You know, and, and Zay Flowers practiced with the offense all offseason. Even Beckham was there in the offseason ahead of Rashad Bateman. So it's not surprising that this is happening with Bateman. I think we could see a better version of Bateman at some point this season, but we have to give it time with this player. And, you know, at, at this point, it's just, it's been one thing after another from a health perspective. Like you just can't have confidence that he's going to be out there. And then it's tough to, if you're the offensive coordinator, so you're the coach, it's tough to game plan things around Bateman when he's just hasn't been available. So I agree with you that I think, the lack of confidence is definitely there because I don't know that he's been able to build up confidence because of the lack of reps. Um, and, and then again, the vertical juice in his game is not there right now at this point. And I don't know if it ever will be, uh, his entire career. He has lined up in the X more than 85%, uh, each and every year. So, yep. you know, this kind of usage for him, um, isn't outside the norm for him. I, and, and I think it does beg the question, Matt, um, if he's winning on these slant routes, would it not make a little bit more sense to kind of sort? I get that Zay Flowers is this movable chest and he's been dynamic, brother. Like he has yeah. been, he's been better than advertised. And some people made were his fair share of mistakes too. Um, well, he was definitely yeah. at fault for a few of those as is Mark Andrews. By the way, this is one thing to note with the drop stuff. Mm, okay. Um, because if you think about it, everybody that's come through Baltimore has had issues with drops, right? Like 
Bateman has had issues. Zay Flowers has had a couple issues. Mark Andrews was quietly all, almost like you can you can put it like set your watch to it. He's going to have a few crushing drops every single year. <laughs> um, yeah. Marquise Brown drop issues in Baltimore, oh even gosh, though yeah. he never really did in college and he really hasn't so far in Arizona either. Um, you know, just again, everybody that's run through there has had drop issues. You know, I saw JT O'Sullivan point this out, uh, who does obviously great work on YouTube at the QB yeah. school. You should check QB it out school. if you don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he pointed out that like Lamar kind of throws like a weird ball and, uh, he almost comes, it comes off his hands the way he said, I'm, hopefully I'm not butchering it. Is it like comes off of his hands, not the way he wants to all the time, which can make it tough on receivers. You know, that being said, like Rashad Bateman, you get both hands on it in the end zone. You're, you you ran a great route, by the way, and you got wide ass open. You got to uh-huh. catch that thing, brother. You know, like that's, <laughs> you that's you know, you, you got to catch it. Uh, but Mark Andrews is, again, always had struggles with drops. I think there might be part of that, like as a Lamar. I'd be curious if Klassen, you know sees any of that. But um, I've just heard some quarterback people point that out. So I, It's like a kind of a, this is, a, again, wild speculation here, but I'm comparing it to baseball, but he throws almost like a sinker ball. Where yeah. like the ball comes out looking quick for whatever reason, and then it falls. Um, and I wonder if that's just his arm angle and spin or whatever it is. I'm not a quarterback guy. JTOS, I'm sure, would be way better at explaining that uh, than anybody else would. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Like the way that the ball kind of sort of drops right at the end. Uh, is really interesting to me when I watch the ball flight. So there's something to that, man. And, and I'm glad you brought that up. But uh, but yeah, that's uh, what what a weird little what a weird little thing it is in, in in football. Sometimes if you're just not anticipate, if a guy throws different than everyone else, it's got to be a little bit hard to get the timing exactly right. And as we know in football, man, those little those little milliseconds, man, that's the difference between making a play and not making a play, right? So, uh, Especially when you're a guy there. like Bateman who has not spent enough time practicing uh, and getting those reps in with Lamar, Good I think point. that is a that is a problem. Um, you know, I just – because I know Lamar is like a weirdly um, – People, people will defend Lamar literally to their last breath, and I'm I'm a Lamar guy. I love I love uh-huh. watching Lamar. I'm a, I'm I'm a fan, but um, sure. he's one of those players that like everybody oh, drops, 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 and like maybe there's a consistent reason that like his pass catchers are always dropping him balls, you know, dropping his balls. Right. Um, that's a weird thing to say, but you know, you know what I mean? I, just, <laughs> I, 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 I do think Bateman at, at some point can get um, back to a viable level. Again, he's yeah. still, you see the route running there with him. It's just the explosion is not there. Right. Uh, I just, you know, we're at a point now with Bateman, like we just have to hope and cross our fingers that he is able to, consistently stay healthy because it has not been the case to this point and um i don't know we'll see uh zay flowers falling down on that deep route too hurt my soul i'm like yo if he stays on his feet man like he falls on his own no one trips him up it's just the turf monster got him i'm like damn if he stays up dude that might be a house call with his set of moves Oh, but bro, he falls down. I'm like, oh man, that hurts the soul. Anyways. Um, yeah. Interesting stuff happening there, uh, in Baltimore. You you know what, by by the way, last thing I'll say about Lamar Jackson too. Come on, man. Like it's like, it's you, you, you can't even have a conversation about Lamar nowadays. It's like sucks, right? Because it's like, yeah, his, his catch, his pass catchers need to catch more of the balls that are being thrown his way. There's, There's just no doubt. Seven drops in one game is absurd. Right. And I think it was like something like the most drops one team has had in a single game since, 
I don't know, whatever, since the, the, the leather helmet days or something, right? Something yeah, crazy, it was outrageous, right? yeah. Yeah, it was, it was crazy, right? Okay, okay. now that being said, you can also say, bro, Lamar, you can't throw that pick in the, in the end zone with the game on the line, right? right? But it's like, oh, well, he wouldn't be in that position if his guys caught the ball. It's like, okay, I understand. Both things can, can be true, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, come on, man. Like, can we at least say that was a bad pass? Like, and I, if I say that, am I a hater? Like, am I saying that Lamar Jackson can't play quarterback? No. This is a bad throw. Yeah. We we do that with every quarterback, but we for whatever reason you can't say that with Lamar without like being like, you know, people are like, oh, you're either a boomer or like you're just a Lamar hater. It's like, man, I just don't, I don't, I I get it. I understand why, because you know, people are like, oh, he's a running back or whatever. Some nonsense. Right. There are still those dumbasses that anytime you yes, tweet about Lamar, exactly. they, they will pop in there and be like, yeah, well, he's, you, if only his uh, quarterback wasn't a running back, you know, or whatever. So um, it's, it's, it's like he's a political issue. Uh, I do. No- 100%, man. It's like, golly. <laughs> Actually, Jesus. off the top of my head, are there any other players that are more like you can't even have a rational discussion about um I mean, I can think of receipt like George Pickens is like the receiver version of that. Like you either have to think George Pickens is like AJ Green reincarnate or like you have to think that he's DJ Chark, you know, uh, (laughs) that's like neither one of those is true, (laughs) but you can't you can't have like a rational conversation about um, George Pickens like the receiver version of that. Definitely Lamar is the quarterback version of that. Kyler Murray used to be like that until all the Call of Duty stuff started coming out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, right. And now then, he's like a butt of a joke, which exactly. Once you, once you, yeah, you once know. you become the butt of a joke, you're like that. It's all Tua. Tua was like that. Yeah, um, Tua. Tua's still like that. Tua is still like that for sure. Brock Purdy is kind of Brock Purdy is definitely is kind of like oh that. Oh my some, gosh, like you can't have the a Brock Purdy thing is crazy right now. You know, dang. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um. Yeah. I mean, golly. Uh. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like thinking Brock Purdy is. You know an all pro or anything. I mean, he will be because of the stats that he's putting up. I'm just saying from a talent perspective, it's not like he's an all pro or anything like that, but, um, but yeah, some people just have him rank so high, unable to divorce stats from talent. Uh, and then some people, uh, some people who I really respect have him like as a bottom three quarterback in this league. I'm like, that's definitely not true either. You know, like, come on, this dude's not a bottom five quarter. It's like, Bro, have you seen the NFL? He's not a bottom five quarterback in the league. You know, come on. Uh, anyways, whatever. Neither here nor there. Let's move on. Uh, okay. Um, Adam Thielen, man. He is having a, a career resurgence right now in Carolina. Rumors of this man's demise have been greatly exaggerated, Matt Harmon. Um, he saw two targets in week number one ever since. This is a guy that's averaging 11 targets per game, nine receptions per game, nearly 100 yards per game. Matt Harmon, this dude is catching everything thrown his way. 82% catch rate. Bro, that is impressive. Uh, His 82% catch rate, by the way, would be a career high by a million miles. 70.5% catch rate in 2021. That's his other career high, and he's a career 70% catch guy. This guy's playing out of his damn mind. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. 
Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> what a response. What a response. Like, Why is it who cares? Why? Well, uh, number one. Okay. Okay, there's actually a lot of interesting things to talk about with the Adam Thielen thing, none of which is Adam Thielen's production from this year. Like, that's not okay. very interesting because, again, who cares? He's producing this for an 0-5 Panthers team. Uh, and, look, he is among the guys that have the 15 – like, he's eighth, I think, in the NFL in targets or something like that. Um, or, you know, it's top, definitely top 10. But among the guys that have – that are top 15 in the NFL in targets, his target share is the lowest because – He's getting a bunch of targets with a dusty receiver room around him as his team is trailing in negative game strip. This is like, it's not the same thing, but it's kind of like the Jerry Judy rule from last year where, um, okay, you're producing all these numbers and your offense blows. Like, I don't care, right? So Uh that's kind of where we're at with Adam Thielen. But at the same time, I do think the instructive thing here, he's almost an interesting case where like stats lie in both ways. Where Okay. It's like, oh, yeah, look at Adam Thielen's numbers from this year. Well, yeah, like I said, who cares? The offense stinks, and it's not as if um, – yeah, he's making plays in short in the short area, and, and he, him and Bryce Young have an, a nice little connection. Um, he's That's great. Uh, I just Again, I don't think he's having like a – you say he's like playing his ass off or you know playing outside his mind. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think he's putting up good numbers uh, because he's still a viable NFL receiver, which – Brings me to my second point, which is the numbers from last year absolutely lied on Adam Thielen. Like people looked at last year, he's yeah. was targeted. He had a, like a zero point one seven targets per route run last year with the Vikings, and like, oh well, see, he, he's washed. His yards per route run is one point one seven. He's washed. Well, no, he's just running routes with Ad, with Justin Jefferson on the same side of the field. Okay, like, yeah. You're you're never going to look at Adam Thielen. He's a declining player. Okay, he's not completely toast. Last year with the Vikings, you know, he's just never going to be the first read in the progression because you have a player that we talked about at the top of the show, who's one of the two or three best non-quarterbacks in the NFL. You see what I'm saying? So like, yeah, yards and targets per route run are going to lie to you because he's on the field all the time because he's still a viable NFL player. He's just not going to be getting a ton of targets and get, making much production because the guy who's going to be doing that is Justin Jefferson. Then they bring in um, old buddy TJ Hawkinson, and he's like that safety blanket for Kirk Cousins too. So he becomes the third guy in the progression there, and he's never going to get a ton of like targets and yards per route run because he's just not going to be that main factor in the offense. The offense is going to funnel through those two guys. Now you'd see him this year in Carolina, and he's moved into the slot, which is a thing you always have to monitor when these – veteran declining perimeter receivers then move into that like big slot role now he's getting you know the ball completely funneled to him because there is no you know there's not a lot of other viable options in the past game this year his targets per route run his yards per route run um are are way up right so far this year uh 0.24 targets per route run as yards per route run is over two like that stuff yards per route run and targets per route run involved like targets per route run i get is is a talent stat but sort of when you're playing across from a guy who's the most talented 
receiver in the NFL and Justin Jefferson, your targets per route run are going to be negative and negatively influenced by that. I'm sure I'm like the Pepe Sylvia, you know, Charlie day, always sunny. Like I'm pointing all these different directions right now with the string. <laughs> and his but so the point here is that like uh-huh. number, like receiver numbers, even the advanced ones like targets per route running yards per route run can lie to you. They lied to you about Adam Thielen last year. I, I kind of sort of think they're lying to you this year, even though he has, successfully and critically, and it's important to talk about this stuff, made that transition from the perimeter slot receiver or perimeter receiver to the big slot receiver as a veteran guy. Okay, let me put a button on the outside inside numbers because I got some interesting numbers there too. I just want to go back and give you a complete pushback on it doesn't matter. It does matter. This guy (laughs) is playing really good football right now. I know it's for a bad team. I get that, but we're talking about a player who is 33 years old and carrying the lantern right now for Carolina. Listen, this whole idea of you got to throw it somewhere has been disproven in so many different spots, man. And at the end of the day, I mean, look at look at what's happening in New England. Look at what's happening. There's no one. There's no one making a play. And so for me, it's like when I look at Adam Thielen, I'm like, yo, okay. uh, Is he the only option in a, in a dusty room of receivers? That is true. Yes. But he is also playing well, which is why he is compiling as many of the stats as he is. So I understand what you're saying. I do. But bro, I am a person that is like, I'm just like, yo, I'm impressed because here he is at 33 years old and getting back to his, you know, position switch, if you will, going from an outside receiver to an inside receiver has been really impressive. This is a dude that again has played 75% in the slot this year. Last year, he was at 32% with Minnesota, right? And and I found this to be surprising. Like I thought his game actually would be a little bit more conducive to playing inside, but Minnesota has really used him as primarily as an outside wide receiver, you know, anywhere between 75 to 80% lined up outside. This year it's 75% inside and and his A dot has come way down too. Right? Uh, a 10.7 career A dot prior to this year. Right now it's at 7.2. Right. So he's seeing shorter targets. He's lining up inside, but he's doing a really good job in terms of creating separation and giving his quarterback a clear window for for him to throw the ball. And again, are are they are they huge plays? No, they're not huge plays, but it's keeping the offense. I don't even want to say a flow because their offense sucks. But I mean, it's like, but, you know, at least trying to keep them on schedule. You know what I'm saying? That that's the only thing I'm impressed by, man. Like he's. He's really, again, made that nice transition from outside to inside seamlessly and is and is even at his age a playmaker for Carolina right now. I think both of those things, man, they deserve their due. I'm not trying to not give him his due. Uh, I'm just saying that, you know, again, when you're putting up hollow stats when you're getting blown <laughs> out by the Lions, like you say, he's holding the lantern. Where Where is he holding that lantern? Where is it leading to? Like, uh, yeah, not not out the of the woods. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not the out of the woods, into the pits. And, and yeah, he is he is absolutely earning <laughs> right. those targets because he's a, still a very solid NFL player. That That's kind of my point in that the Vikings' stats were a lie in that way. But um, here in Carolina, yeah, he's 
way better than I think people gave him credit for going to this year. And and the slot stuff is interesting too because he actually played big slot receiver for the Vikings at one point prior to Justin Jefferson being there, and they were more of a t- when they were more of a eleven personnel team. Remember, like I'll never yep. forget this because remember Steph Diggs in I think it was you know twenty sixteen he played a ton of slot receiver like catching little pop gun passes with sam bradford but then people were like oh no they're moving him outside can he win outside and obviously you know how i felt about that in reception perception and then meanwhile adam thielen caught 91 passes in 2017 as a big slot receiver and 113 passes as a big slot receiver for the 2018 minnesota vikings so he's had experience playing in this role too he's basically doing kind of like what larry fitzgerald did towards the end of his career right um just a bit of a again more meaningless version because it's for the zero and five Panthers, not the Cardinals pushing for an NFC title run. It, it is really interesting that you bring up 2018, which was by far his, you know, career year, right? 113 receptions in 2018 for 1300, almost 1400 yards um, and had nine touchdowns that year. Um, and, and again, other than this year, that was also one of his best, you know, um, catch rate seasons too, catching 74% of the passes thrown his way. Uh, The reason I bring up 2018, and I just wonder about this, man, I bring up 2018 as a career year for him. That was also one of the highest, you know, um, slot percentages that he had seen in his career. 55% of his snaps came out of the slot in 2018. And again, I just want to bring up 2019, 2020, 2021. Uh, This guy was lining up um, inside, not 55% of the time, but more like 25, 30%. So I don't know. It's, it just seems like to me, I, I guess I'm confused, right? Like you see a guy put together a banner year in 2018. Why shift him outside again? Like what, what are we doing here? Clearly he's winning inside. It, it seems like it, it was a little bit of a misuse of, of talent and ability to be like, Hey, Adam Thielen, can you just go ahead and win outside? And also we're going to throw it's, it's 10 air yards a target. Like, let's just go. I I'm just, I'm very confused by, by that mismanagement of talent uh, and talent evaluation from Minnesota, uh, certainly the last you know two or three years uh, of his career there. Two words, Mike Zimmer. <laughs> All right, fair. I mean, his last year was Kevin O'Connell. They yeah, had him but, doing the same you know, stuff. What can you do? You're not playing. Uh, you're not playing. Well, they're about to play KJ Osborne outside, but we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's actually a very good point. Very good point. Um, all right, let's do the option route. The man, option, get the the option, on the option. Um, option route. This one's a fun one. Matt Harmon. We're going gladiator style, old coliseum. Okay, who would you? Who? What animal would you rather fight to the death? Okay, uh, a large orangutan or an alligator. The alligator fight happens in like a swampy condition. Okay. So there's water involved here. Okay. For either one of these battles to the death, you have a spear and that is it. Who would you rather fight? fight An orangutan or an alligator? What you got? Uh, Oh boy. I'm just looking up orangutan average size. (laughs) Okay. Uh, these are big. These are large animals. Uh, yeah, they're, they're large. Um, they're large animals. Um, you know, they can stand up. Well, about four and a half, five feet in height. Um, if we're talking about an adult male, uh, weighing about 110, 198 pounds. So it's pretty, uh, pretty solid. Uh, that, that, that guy there now. Yeah. The, I get the spear. Here's my thing about the spear with the orangutan. I I just don't know if I want to fight anything with hands. Okay. 
Um, especially something that just like, I don't know what that thing is going to do. Like I would fight a person if it needed to be done. Um, you know, I w- wouldn't want to, but like, that's a person, like a thing with hands, like if it's a human being, I think I would do that. But like a primate like this, that makes me a little nervous that he's just going to catch the spear and like smack, you know, crush it. By the way, what if, what if he uses it back on me? You know, uh-huh. what if I th- <laughs> chuck the spear at the orangutan, <laughs> he catches that thing or something. And then he, then now he's got a weapon. Okay. Um, I think I'm gonna go alligator here, and I'm gonna try to spear that alligator like in his in his mouth. You know, that's that's what I think I'm gonna do here. Okay, so an orangutan can um, is is a very intelligent uh, animal and can use tools. So to your point, if he if you lose that spear, he's absolutely using that on you. So that's one. Um, yeah, is this it, one of those like uh, Planet of the Apes ones where like they're you know they uh, they became conscious or whatever uh, <laughs> and. and or is this like you're just your run of the mill dumb orangutan in a zoo? Yeah, I'd like to I know. Think... I'd like to know his educational background before committing to this. <laughs> I think this is just your run of the mill. Like you're you're you are dropped into like, and again, I know this is Coliseum style, but I'm saying like you're dropped into like you know the jungle, okay? And okay. and and here comes this, and you've stumbled upon this orangutan, and this this dude is mad at you. Okay. Um, I just looked this up as well. An orangutan can lift about 500 pounds in weight. Hmm. So I cannot. So powerful, close, but powerful. (laughs) Okay. Powerful animal, uh, is an orangutan, but you are obviously, uh, and, and, you know, obviously he's got some serious biting power as well. Um, but you are armed with the spear. Now, if you, you go see this alligator, um, you got to fight in swampy conditions here. Um, and, and and obviously we know uh, alligators are, are 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 quite dangerous creatures as well. So where are we leaning, man? You, it sounds like you're what, you leaning you leaning towards this orangutan. You leaning towards where are we going? I'm going with the alligator here. Uh, okay. Swampy conditions. I assume there will at least be some land I can stand upon, even if it yes. is you know I don't have to be totally you know waist deep in water or even no. deep in water. I, there's at some point I'm going to be able to get on land here. I will be trying to lure him out of that. And again, I will try to spear him into the mouth or on, you know, that like when he opens his snapper there, I'm going to try to get that spear down the middle there and uh, you know, stick him that way. Cause I just don't know that I'm going to be able to take this orangutan 500 pounds. He could pick up like, you know, at least three or four of me, you know, and, and, and toss me around a little bit. I don't know about that. Or, or I'd even be curious. Would he be, would he be able to like just chuck boulders at you? Probably he's, that's the thing with the alligator. It's just the alligator. Okay. Right? I'm just fighting this animal. Um, uh-huh. you know, it's, it's not hand to hand combat. Cause he ain't got no hands. Uh, but like, it's just mono e mono. And I have the advantage of the spear in this situation. Whereas the, and obviously I mean, he has like a hundred teeth or whatever does the alligator. So, I mean, if I get bit also, this is kind of like a situation would I rather get bit to shit or would I rather get beat to shit? And like, that's I exactly right. I, that's exactly yeah, I kind of right. think like it's going to take a minute. Like he, if this orangutan gets a hold of me, he's going to pump like I'm dead. Okay. Cause I'm not getting out of that. If he's strong well, enough to be lifted hundred pounds. Can we just be clear? You're dead either way. Okay. So it really, it I think I can, I think I can survive the alligator situation. The thing is again, the orangutan wow. gets a hold of me. Wow. Okay. The only thing, the only hope I have is that like I've snuck a gun in here and I can shoot him. And no, I don't no. really, really want to shoot this orangutan. No, okay? You don't. That also ma- you absolutely do not. He's got right. like a face, um, probably has a family, you know, he has ha- opposable thumbs. 
makes me feel weird to kill the orangutan. The alligator, yeah. whatever. Okay. Um, I kill the alligator well, afterwards. I fry fry up some gator bites, baby. I'll eat that thing. But the orangutan, oh, I'm not yeah. that interested. Uh, okay, listen. Uh, an alligator weighs anywhere between 400 to 800 pounds. Okay. Um, this thing can move 30 miles per hour over short distances on land. So he can get after it now. All right. Uh, and again, we're talking about bite power. He's got about three times the bite power of an orangutan. Now, obviously, again, there's no hands involved here, but this, I mean, a 400 pound animal charging at you at 30 miles per hour. Hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think you're, I don't think you're, I don't think you're surviving that one, dude. I got, I got this. this. How, okay. how motivated is this alligator too? Cause you know, they also can be lethargic. Okay. Wow. wow. I'm assuming this is not a lethargic alligator, bro. I'm well, you don't know that. It's a roll okay. of the dice, how he's okay. feeling that right. day. Uh, he might be, you know, hungry or he might have eaten just recently, you know, and so there's really no incentive and um, I can just wait him out and, and uh, stick him when, <clears> he's, when he's least expecting it. It really comes down. It, you're right. It, it does come down to the fact that this orangutan, who is obviously a very powerful animal, has some limbs, can grab that spear right out of your hands and just start beating the living crap out of you with it. Uh, but uh, uh, the speed uh, of this alligator is, is pretty terrifying. 400 pounds moving at 30 miles an hour, dog. First of all, bro, to put 30 miles per hour in, in like into terms that we understand Tyreek Hill ran the fastest of any, of any NFL player this past week at 22 miles per hour. This alligator is moving eight miles an hour faster than Tyreek Hill at 400 pounds minimum. Yeah. But like in short spurts, you haven't seen my GPS time, so you don't know. Oh my God. I love they got it. one of those. Right. Hey, in my neighborhood here, yeah. they got one of those yeah, yeah. speed things. You know, where it shows you your speed. I'm sure. gonna go out there and, and run in front of it and see what we got. That's that's what we're gonna need. We're gonna need one of them. We we need some we need some analytics. We need some data. We I'll need data to back this. Doing it. <laughs> <laughs> we need data, baby. All right, cool, good stuff. Hey, uh, let me know what you guys would do, man. Um, uh, you know, and again, if you guys would subscribe to the podcast, that would be awesome. But go check out the website, man. We got uh, a plenty of in in season tracking. Uh, coming out there too we talked a little bit about Brock Purdy today um, a Brock Purdy quarterback profile will be hitting the site relatively soon as well so be sure to go check that out receptionperception.com but we're running a little bit long so we gotta get out of here man for Matt Harmon I'm James Coe we'll see you.